Good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. We are glad that you are here with us. I'm glad that I can be able to stand before you and present a message from God's Word. Our lesson for this morning continues a series that we began last week on fruitful Christian growth. And the main portion of the text that we're looking at is from 2 Peter chapter 1. You want to be turning there, we'll look at that in a moment. As we are looking at these characteristics of fruitful Christian growth, we have begun with the foundation of them all. We have begun with faith and why it's important that we grow in our faith. We understand that it is important that we grow as Christians. Not just remain the same, not just remain where we are, but it is important that we grow spiritually speaking. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says, But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. One of the things that we learn from this text is that all diligence is to be taken in adding these characteristics to our Christian lives. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And it is with due diligence that we study these characteristics in order to add them to our lives. Today we're looking at the word virtue. Growth and virtue. How we add virtue to our lives. And I will confess that this was probably one of the harder lessons in the series. Because we don't talk a lot of virtue. The word virtue is not found that often in Scripture. But there are some things that we can learn about virtue. And those I wish to share with you today. Our lesson objectives are first of all to learn of virtue. And how it applies to our Christian lives. And secondly to make application of the subject which we are studying In order to add virtue to our lives, the first thing that we have to do is define what virtue is. So what is virtue? By definition, at least from the aspect that we are looking at today, virtue is behavior showing high moral standards or the quality of of being morally good. 
One's life may be filled with a number of virtues which exhibit such moral character. But it's also important that we recognize that moral character alone does not save. There are many people that we know that are morally good that are not Christians because either they have not obeyed the gospel, they have not fully uh, done those things that, that God requires of them. Maybe they are not doing them according to God's authority. But being morally good does not say. But it is important. As far as Christianity is concerned, it is important that we be morally good. As we are looking at virtues and, and things that may describe virtue, virtue may be seen in its characteristics. First of all, a good reputation among Christians and also those who are outside. When we look at the leaders of the church, they are to be of moral excellence in their reputation. Elders, as far as the qualifications are concerned, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, we are told, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Those who serve in leadership roles in the church have incorporated virtue into their Christian lives, which is also their example to fellow Christians. You know, just as elders would serve before us, so we are to see their example. And as Paul says, we are to imitate them as they imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. It's important that we have a good reputation. It's important that we have a good example for those that we come in contact with in the world. There are other characteristics as well, such as those mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the characteristics that we know as the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When we hold to these characteristics, these are virtuous characteristics. And we show virtue in our lives. We look at the character of a new Christian. Someone who is becoming new before God. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 and 14. Colossians chapter 3 and beginning with verse 12. Therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, 
even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This describes a virtuous life. Someone who is filled with virtue in their character. And some of the very characteristics listed in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 that we are looking at. When we look at these characteristics, they, we see that they exemplify virtue. And so as we put on each of these characteristics, we are growing in virtue. And those we'll study individually in the coming weeks, Lord willing. But all of these exhibit high moral standards. Moral excellence, if you will. And these things help us to understand what virtue really is. But virtue is not simply about characteristics. It's not saying, well, we need to do these things, we need to put these into our lives. That's not what virtue is all about. <clears throat> you see, virtue is a way of life. And the Bible calls us to moral excellence in our lives. Not just in characteristics. Not just in putting on certain things in our lives. But making sure that our lives as a whole are filled with virtue. Proverbs 10 and verse 9. Proverbs 10 verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not ordained mercy, or had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's about living a life of virtue. What we learn from these verses is that Christians are to be different. We are to be different than those of the world. And as we live differently, we show others what God desires of His followers. We proclaim the excellencies of Christ by living as He lived while here on earth. These are the things that we need to put into our lives. As we look at, at showing virtues and, and, and proclaiming Christ in our lives, and I think of songs such as, Oh, to be like thee. We want to be like Christ, do we not? As I was putting together this lesson, I, I thought of, 
of having a, a section within it of those who have exemplified moral virtue. And as I was thinking along those lines, I realized that the best example is Jesus Himself. Whenever we look at virtue, we know that Jesus in His life exemplified virtue. And so we look at Jesus, a virtuous example. In His life, there were many things that Jesus did that, again, exemplified virtue. Moral excellence. And not only the things that He did, but also in the things that He did not do. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4 for a moment. Matthew chapter 4. And here we read of the temptations that Jesus went through. Jesus was tempted of Satan. And as Jesus is tempted, we are reminded that temptation itself is not sin. We are going to be tempted throughout our lives. The question is, are we going to overcome our temptation? Temptation itself is not sin, but, but if we succumb to our, our temptations, if we give in, that's when sin occurs. But Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted of Satan. And in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4, we read, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And notice the if there. Satan is throwing doubt as to whether Jesus is the Son of God. He knows this to be the case. But he is casting doubt. If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. 
as we read these verses, we recognize that Jesus overcame all three of the types of temptation that we are faced with today. There are many things that we may look at and, and think, well, these are, are new to man. These, these things have not been seen before. But nothing is new in the sight of God. And every temptation that we are faced with can fall into one of these three categories that are mentioned in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And each of these temptations that Jesus went through, lust of the flesh, lust of the, the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus showed us by overcoming these temptations in, in the human form that He was in, He showed us that we too can overcome those temptations if we will to overcome them. When we overcome temptation, we are overcoming those things that are of the world. Those things that are not of God. And in so doing, in overcoming our temptations, we are glorifying God as we do. Looking at Jesus' life, He exemplified virtue. Christian virtue. You see, Jesus was kind and compassionate toward all, without discrimination. Any time that He looked upon someone, and it's difficult for us to do, but any time that Jesus looked upon someone, He looked at them as a soul. And He looked upon them with kindness and compassion. Some of those examples, I think of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He looked upon them with compassion. Even high leaders, spiritually speaking, Nicodemus being one of those, in John chapter 3, Jesus had a, a, an excellent conversation with him. But as we look at his life, he didn't just look upon those that were morally upright. He didn't just look upon those that, that were seen in, in life as good people. But even those who were downtrodden, those who would be considered outcasts, Jesus looked upon them equally with kindness and compassion. We recognize the way that He treated tax collectors and sinners. In Mark chapter 2, and beginning with verse 15. Mark 2 and verse 15. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. 
And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We don't often go to a doctor if we are well, do we? Uh, unless we're applying for a job or, or something of that nature. Don't go to a physician when you are well, but when you are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick. And Jesus speaks in spiritual terms of those who those who are sinful. There was once a time when each of us was in sin. When each of us needed to be cleansed from our sins. Even if you've obeyed the gospel, even if you're a faithful child of God, there was once a time in your life that you were a sinner. Jesus, when He came, He offered His blood for everyone. When He died on that cross, He offered His blood to all. Those who are going to receive Him are those who are sinners. Those who are sinners. Those who are in need of repentance. Those are the ones that respond to the Lord's invitation. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When Jesus came, He spoke a message of repentance. John the Baptist spoke a message of repentance. That the kingdom of God was at hand. That it was coming, and it was. And those who had turned away from God were in need of coming back. They were in need of repenting. Jesus came for those in need. Why? Because He loved them. Because He had compassion upon them. And because He wanted them to be faithful in the eyes of God. Tax collectors and sinners, the lowliest of low in the world, and yet those are the ones that Jesus came to. The ones that He came to save. I think of the woman in adultery in John chapter 8. We begin reading in verse 3 of John 8. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to Him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to Him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now where is the man that was also caught in the act? I don't know. But she was caught in the act of adultery. And in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. And, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as, as though he did not hear 
So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to him, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Maybe the oldest by experience recognized their condition before the younger ones. But they left, the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus had compassion upon those who were sick and diseased. In Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 29, Mark 1 and verse 29, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. He healed many who were lame, blind, deaf, mute, crippled, and even was able to raise the dead. And His goodness is seen in His compassion toward them all. Jesus' life exemplified virtue in every sense and form. Jesus also taught others to be virtuous in character and behavior. I want to pull some verses from the Sermon on the Mount in reference to His teachings. Some things that we can remember when it comes to trying to live virtuously. Matthew 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5 verse 37 But let your yes be yes and your no no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Don't make promises you can't keep and don't swear by names by which you can't keep them. But let your yes always be a yes and your no always be a no. Be excellent in your character. Matthew 5 and verses 39 through 42. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. 
If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 48, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 6, verses 3 and 4. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will Himself reward you openly. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. But do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2 Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. This is just a very small summary of the things that Jesus taught. But He taught moral excellence. He taught virtue. As far as the Christian life is concerned, He taught us to have virtue. Jesus has set the perfect example of virtue for us. And it is important that we follow His example. Growth of the Christian is important and even essential. Faith is an important stepping stone. But as we've been studying the last couple of weeks, faith alone does not save It is an important stepping stone, but action must be attached to it. Action must follow it. In addition to believing, 
Our moral character must follow the teachings of the Bible. Faithfulness is begun in obedience to the plan of salvation. See, faith leads us to confession of that very faith. It leads us to obedience and repentance and baptism for the remission of sins. We've been taught what is expected of us by God. And we must live virtuously, putting into action the teachings of the Bible, those things that we've been studying today. We need to put those into action. It's important that we do. Going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Hearing we must do. Our works must be according to the authority of the New Testament. Our works speak to our character and by our works we are judged. And should our works be lacking in virtue, these are the words that we will hear. We're not talking about works of merit. There's nothing that I can do to merit my own salvation. But they are works of obedience. And if we leave out works of obedience, then we're lacking and the virtue that we've been called to. Our lives must exemplify moral excellence. And in the way that Jesus did, we follow His example. Maybe it is that you realize that your life is lacking in some way. Maybe you stand outside of Christ this morning and maybe you need to come to Him. Maybe you need to come in obedience. Maybe you've obeyed the gospel, but maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask for prayer. Maybe you need to ask for help. But certainly we offer you the Lord's invitation. And if there is anyone in need of responding in any way, if we can assist you, we would be glad to do so. Let's together we stand and as we sing.